Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. Sunday is our 40th anniversary as a church. I'm so excited. I got to actually attend um, a dinner for all of the founding members that were here in 1979 and hear all of the stories of what God has done for chapel. And it only made me excited for what God's going to do. Uh, so if, whether you've been here a couple months like me or you've been here for all 40 years, do not miss next week. I guarantee you it's going to be a party. We've got a couple t-shirts I'm pretty excited about. Uh, one looks a little more like Woodstock for all my hippie friends. The other's a little more Van Halen for anybody that's got some rock and roll in their blood. Uh, so don't miss next Sunday. If I have not gotten the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Dylan. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel. Uh, Pastor Bobby could not be here today. He is guest speaking at another church. He'll be back next week. Um, and it is just such an honor to get to be here today and speak to you. Uh, so Pastor, if you're watching, thank you so much. Uh, this is an honor and I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, he, when he asked me to speak, um, I, I did tell him, I was like, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not good after like 30 minutes. Uh, so you're going to get out of church early today because he talks for about an hour. I'm going to give you about 30 minutes. So spirit's moving already. Praise God for that. Um, <laughs> if you're taking notes, uh, it, it's a scientific fact. Uh, you're 97% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes. So if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Mountain Climbing. Mountain Climbing. Uh, the, I think the first time I ever saw like what I thought was a mountain I was in like the sixth grade. I grew up in Nashville, so we had like big hills, right? But so we go on a ski trip with youth and to a ski resort. Um, and it was really just a big hill, come to find out later. But it's covered in snow. It was a lot of fun. So we're skiing all day. And it's my first time skiing. I started out on the bunny slopes like you're supposed to. Has anybody ever been snow skiing in here? Any snow skiers? Awesome. Yeah, we're in Alabama. It's okay. Uh, so started out on the bunny slopes, worked my way up to the blues, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So I tried a couple of like the single diamond blacks. I did okay. But all day long, there was this one run at the, at the ski resort we were at called Center Stage. And if, if I'm standing in the lodge, it's like right here. So everyone's watching everybody fall all day long. I think it's so funny to see people get hurt. It's hilarious. So these snowboarders and skiers are like tumbling down the mountain. Well, I, I'm not going to let this hill punk me out. So I'm like, I'm going down Center Stage. First time skiing. So I go up the lift. And of course, they've designed it where... When you get to the top, you're going down. Like there's no, there's no other way down. There's no get back on the lift. Like you're going down the mountain on, uh, hopefully on your skis. Uh, so I fell most of the way down the mountain, but I did go down center stage. I was victorious. Uh, so I was thinking about that moment um, when I started writing this message about mountain climbing, and the first time I ever actually saw a mountain, uh, my family had vacationed to like New Mexico, Colorado areas absolutely gorgeous. And uh, we saw this mountain off in the distance. My dad was like, hey, how far do you guys think that is? And we were all like, I don't know, a couple, 200, 500 yards trying to guess. It was like 75 miles off in the distance. Uh, and I found that my perception of how close the mountain was, was very, very deceptive based on the size of the mountain. And so today we're going to talk about the mountains and the obstacles and opposition that is in all of our lives. And we're going to discuss conquering those things. And a lot of times mountains are really far way off and they feel a lot closer. Uh, we're gonna open the scripture in just a second, but first, uh, let's go to the Lord. God, I thank you so much that we get to be in your house this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. God, I pray that you would just 
speak revelation to us today through your scripture. God, I pray that these people would hear nothing that I say and they would hear everything that you say. I hide myself behind your cross. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. In your son's name, all God's saints said, Amen. Real quick, before I get started, uh, I, I am the youth pastor here, so I like a little bit of energy, a little bit of excitement in church. So uh, if, you, if, if, if I'm preaching and, and you like what you're hearing, like tell me, talk back to me, you can say, yo, that's good, all right, shake the tree, say it again for the people in the back, whatever's on your heart. If you don't like what I'm saying, then just be quiet. All right, so Mark, Mark chapter 11, <laughs> Mark chapter 11, verse number 22, says, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I think that's so cool that the God of heaven looks at his creation and says, hey, anything you ask, I'll give to you if you truly believe I can do it. I think that's so absolutely powerful. We're going to talk today about three mountains that we as believers deal with, that we walk through, that we are called to conquer. Okay, mountain number one is our mountains of sin. Mountains of sin we create. It's our faults, our sins, the things that separate us from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I think that's so powerful right there so that you can endure it because endurance means that there's going to be opposition. I don't have to endure something that's easy. I have to endure something that's hard. So endurance tells me that in my walk with the Lord, that when, I, when I'm tempted with sin, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be hard moments. I have to understand that, that in those moments, God's given me a way out. So powerful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So in the in the whole idea of temptation, I thought of this kid that was in a youth group that I worked at in Texas. And he came to me, and this was that kid that answers every altar call, like boosts the salvation numbers at the end of the year, you know. Uh, and so this kid, he's just, everything's always wrong. So he comes to me, and he was like, hey, um, I, I, he kind of asked me if we could talk in private. I was like, whatever. So we stepped to the side. We're talking. And he says, I, I, I'm dealing, I, I keep looking at things I shouldn't. It's a common problem with teenage boys. So I was like, okay, man, well, like, what? When, when, when are you messing up the most? And he said, at nighttime. Easy. Okay, cool. So what are you doing? He's like, well, I get on my TV in my room and I look at stuff I shouldn't. Easy solution. Hey, let's take the TV just out of the room. Just get it out of the room completely. Thinking Dylan just solved the problem. Nope. So he comes back to me next week, all, all slumped down, head down, clearly messed up again. And I was like, hey, what, what's going on, bud? He's like, I messed up. I was like, well, did you take your TV out of your room? Yeah. Well, wh how'd you mess up? What'd you, what'd you do? He's like, ah, my phone, I got on Google. I was like, dude, leave your phone in the living room. Just don't even just set that boundary out there. Don't, don't bring that into your, into your room. Boom, boundary set. Awesome. Goes away again. Dylan solved the problem. Praise God. No, comes back to me the next week. And I realized over the course of this happening over and over again, I kept setting rules and boundaries for him and I never got him to Jesus. So he had this problem in his life that nothing was going to solve it until he fixed his heart, until he got to Jesus. And so I think our greatest combat of temptation is to spend time in the presence of God and to, and to crucify our flesh. When we face these mountains, we have to get to Jesus. I want to say this. 
I can definitely say this in my own life, and I'm sure some of you will agree. My sin doesn't shout. My sin whispers. Sin doesn't sound like lust, doesn't sound like go get on Google and search your favorite site and look at things you shouldn't. It sounds like that movie only has a few seconds of nudity or, or, or that, that Instagram account is okay to follow. That, that woman's mostly clothed. Pride doesn't sound like I am the greatest thing ever. Bow down to me. I am wonderful. Pride sounds like uh, they probably don't believe in you. Maybe you should prove it to them and do it on your own. Drunkenness doesn't sound like I'm going to go out tonight and get hammered. Drunkenness sounds like I'll just have one drink. Adultery doesn't sound like I'm going to go sleep with that in secrecy from my spouse. Adultery sounds like it's just lunch. Our sin doesn't shout. Our sin whispers. And I think a lot of times we take something that's a small problem and we don't deal with it and it becomes a greater issue. My sister's husband was in med school at UT in Memphis and they had an apartment on Mud Island. It's this island in the middle of the Mississippi River right there in Memphis. And I went to visit her and she told me the story of how Mud Island came to be. In the 1800s, less than 200 years ago, a riverboat ferry sunk and they never got it out of the water. Well, over time, sediment and dirt as the river moved piled up and now it's an island with campuses of apartments on it, businesses, subdivisions, this massive island in the middle of the Mississippi. And I realized in that moment that our sin is just like that, that many times our mountain of sin started out as a really little pebble and we didn't deal with it and it's accumulated and grown over time and now it's something a lot of people need professional help to get over. Resisting temptation means having boundaries. It means walking in wisdom, no doubt. It doesn't mean sitting in it. I, I, I completely agree with the statement I'm about to make, but hear my heart. I hear a lot, temptation is not a sin. And it's not. It's, it's not a sin to be tempted. Satan tempted Jesus. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's wrong to sit in your temptation. And I found this. If I don't flee from my temptation, like the scripture says, if I don't run from the enemy, like the scripture tells me to do, if I sit in my temptation, that temptation is a seed. And if I don't run from it, I've planted it. You have to run from your temptation. You have to deal with that when it's small. I shared this part with the students on Wednesday and it's, it's really in my heart. And I want to share it with you right now. In Romans chapter six, <clears throat> Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I Meaning grace is so good. Grace is the best thing ever. If we get grace by sinning, should we just keep sinning? By no means. How can he who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we, are you catching the theme here? If we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. I, I, I want to share this, this thing with you right here. As a believer, I am dead to sin. That doesn't mean that my sin is dead to me. And I found a lot of times we're dead to our sin, 
But we keep breathing life into that thing that we're constantly dealing with. My, I'm, I'm dead to my sin, but my sin's not necessarily dead to me. I still have to have boundaries in my life. I still have to walk in wisdom. I still have to pursue holiness. My, my flesh, Dylan's body, Dylan, I, I want to sin. Sin's fun. Sin's enticing. But my soul, that's the very thing that separates me from God. That's the, that's the very thing that takes the life away out of my soul. So the thing that my flesh thrives on is the thing that my soul will die on. And if I don't make a decision right now to protect my soul from the things that my body wants, I'm going to be in trouble when I stand at the feet of God. <clears throat> the second mountain we deal with is the mountain of evil. So the first is the mountain of sin. That, that's our faults, our sins. We create that mountain. The second is the mountain of evil. It's, it's the enemy. It's Satan. It's the world. It's things that come against us as believers. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, that there's a spiritual war happening that we can't see. Revelation 12, 12 says, he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Talking about the devil. First Peter 5, 8 <clears throat> says, be sober minded, be watchful, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9 says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, meaning you're not alone. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Mountains of evil, they're, they're attacks on me, on my family, on my church. I don't want to give the devil too much credit. So here's one thing I know. I know that God is omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he is omnipresent. That, that, those are church words that mean God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. That he has all the power over everything. And that he is everywhere all the time. Here's what I know. Satan is none of those things meaning an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, all-present God that's in control, loves me, he's on my side, and there is an enemy out there that wants to do bad to me, but he has no power. His authority has been taken away from him. And I think we as the church need to live a little bit more in that authority. Every single night when I lay my son down, I do what every good Southerner does. I load my gun, I lock my doors, I set whatever alarm is there. But when I lay my son down to bed, Almost every night, I pray this prayer. I say, God, and let an army of angels surround our house and protect us while we sleep. I believe that the God in heaven, the creator, who has all power, all authority, all sovereignty, is willing to protect me from the evil of the world. And I believe that his angels will fight for me and that they will physically protect me and my family while we sleep. And I think a lot of times, we don't, we don't speak to our mountain like Mark talks about. We just speak to the problem. I think that there's mountains of evil in our lives of, of, of why well, I, I got diagnosed with cancer. And we, we, just, we just say, I have cancer. Now, I wanna, I wanna take this a step further. I don't, I don't know that it's right to, I, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna let that come out of my mouth. I hear that a lot. I don't know that that's scriptural either. I think we need to acknowledge our problem and then speak to the solution. I saw families in, 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 in my, my previous years of ministry that the, they won't say he has cancer. 
or, 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 or we're, we're in a bad place financially. They just, they, they stick on that, speak those things that aren't as though they were. And that you should have faith and you should speak life into every situation. But it is not wrong to acknowledge, hey, I have a problem. If the doctor says you're sick, you're sick. Why don't you speak to the solution and say, but I have, I have a, a God that shed his blood for me that, that healed me with his blood. Why don't we start speaking to the solutions to our problems, to our mountains and cast those mountains into the sea? Just understand that the same power that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in us. Meaning that the fight is over. Jesus paid for our sins. He, he, he solved all the problems. He is done. And the victor is on my side. Some mountains that we face that are, that are evil, some of our evil mountains are, are attacking mountains, are psychological. It's fear, it's anxiety, and it's worry. I don't deal with anxiety. I, I guess I'm too prideful for that. I don't know. But my wife does. She, she's walked through that. And I've found in being her husband and trying to support her that my solutions don't always solve her problems. See, when, she, when we first got married, and she would be like, well, I'm just worried about this. And it didn't make any logical sense to Dylan. I would say something real dumb, like, we'll just get over it. Well, don't worry about that because that's a solution for me. But I found people that truly deal with anxiety and fear, that doesn't help. That's not a solution. And I think one thing we have to remember is that when we're facing these mountains, we're being attacked with our thoughts because that's how Satan really tempted Jesus. He didn't dangle a carrot in front of him. He whispered things to him. He spoke things into his mind that weren't true. So if you're dealing with an illogical anxiety and fear and worry, Maybe you need to understand that the answer is Jesus. If you will be so consumed with who Jesus is, so filled with the spirit, there won't be any room for any darkness. We have the authority to remove both sin and evil from our lives. In fact, we are called to do that. Colossians 3, Romans 6, Romans 12, 2, all of those passages and then some talk about a call to holiness. They talk about living as, as a believer, as a child of God, the things God's promised us. We don't ignore our problems. We acknowledge them, and then we speak to the solution. Number three, the third mountain that we deal with is a mountain of faith. And this one is, is from God or it's allowed by God. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is Jesus. Went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified because they're not all there. They're teenagers. You know, they're, they're scared of Jesus. They're terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. When Jesus gets to the other side of the, of the sea in the scripture, he performs an incredible healing ministry where everyone that touches him gets healed. And I think that is attested to the fact that he got alone with God on a mountain somewhere. Being on a mountain stretches you, it grows you. It's where you're out of your comfort zone. It's where everything doesn't make any sense. In order for there to be growth in our lives, there has to be stress, there has to be opposition. I know you may not be able to tell yet, but I've been spending a lot of time in the gym trying to be the best me. 
And I found that if I go in there and I do, I, I, I like doing deadlifts. It's a fun lift for me. And so I'll, I'll, I'll do them as often as needed. And, and I found if I go, if I go light, just what I know I can do and I just do the motions and then I go home. When I come back the next time, I didn't gain any strength. But if I lift something that's really hard that I'm straining to pick up, the next time when I go back, I can pick up more weight than the last time I was there. So if physically, if I want to get stronger, I have to pick up something heavy. Spiritually, if I want to get stronger, I need to carry a heavy cross. Sometimes God's going to allow us to walk through a fire in order for us to build our faith. And too many times as believers, we allow our fear to grow instead of our faith. Where is our faith as the church of Jesus Christ? Something inside of us has to rise up and say, no, I know a God that's closer than a brother. I know a God that defies the laws of nature. I know a God that can speak things into existence. We talked about three kinds of mountains so far. Sin and evil cast those into the sea. Get them out of here. You're not called to deal with those. But there's times in life that God is going to allow you, even call you to walk through something difficult. And there's some of you in this room today that you're trying to remove a mountain in front of you that God is calling you to climb. You see, on a mountain is where we find true intimacy with God. It's where God does his best work. When I'm out of my comfort zone, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm tired, when I've given all I have, when life's still hard, we'll see the hand of God move. That's the most intimate moment with God is when everything gets hard. The difference in mountains of sin and mountains of evil and mountains of faith is that the latter is a mountain that God is calling us to conquer. In Romans chapter eight, I'm wrapping up. In Romans chapter eight, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trial, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. I looked that up in the Greek. It means no. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. More than conquerors. It is one thing to conquer something. It is a completely other thing to be more than a conqueror. That means when I conquer this mountain, I'm not going to have anything less because of it. I'm going to be stronger, better, faster. And when the enemy comes back with the same petty tactics, I'm going to be able to, to defeat the same mountain again and again and again because I'm a child of God.
because the hope of the world lives in me and no evil on this earth and no demon in hell can separate me from his love. I want to say this as I end. God doesn't call you to climb a mountain you can't climb. But he does call you to climb mountains that you can't climb without him and without his church. I don't know why I've been on this mountain kick lately. I was watching a documentary on Mount Everest. There was eight or ten people climbing the mountain. And they were all chained together. There was a rope with a carabiner between each, each climber. And if one of them fell, they would yell, falling! And everybody would take their axe pick and they would stick it in the ground so they didn't, the whole group didn't slide down the mountain. And I think that is so, that is, that is so, such an analogy of the church today. That we're supposed to be connected, that if one person falls, we're there to pick you back up. So if you try to do life on your own and by yourself, when you fall on your mountain, when you fall on your mountain, you're going to slide all the way back down to the bottom again. I want to pray for two people and then we can go have early lunch. There's some of you in this room today and you're facing mountains of evil. Your, your, your family's being attacked, your health, your finances, your job, your mind. Or maybe you're facing mountains of sin. Maybe you're facing something you've created. Maybe you're lost in addiction. Maybe you feel like you're constantly struggling with something that's not supposed to have any power over your life. If that's you, if you're on one of those mountains, we're going to cast that into the sea today. I want you to just raise your hand up. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. If someone around you raised their hand, we're a family. I want you to just reach over and take hold of their hand. We're going to pray together. Grab, grab hands of anyone that raised their hand. God, I pray right now for the people that have had the boldness in your presence to say, hey, I'm not okay right now. God, we speak to their mountains, their sicknesses, to their diseases, to their financial problems, to their need for your provision. God, to their anxiety and their fear. And we uproot that right now from their hearts, from their minds, and we cast that into the sea. We rebuke the enemy in their lives. God, let an army of angels protect them. In Jesus' name. The second group of people I want to pray for as you're facing mountains of faith right now, God's allowing you to walk through a fire and it's hard. Maybe you've been trying to do it by yourself. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just tired and exhausted from constant attacks of the enemy on your life. Would you just raise your hand up? Awesome. Awesome. Would you grab hold of anyone that raised their hand? We're gonna pray again. God, I pray right now for these people that are walking through fire. God, I thank you. I thank you. That you, that you provide. I thank you that you give hope. Lord, I pray for the, these people that are, that are dealing with something hard right now. God, I pray that as Ephesians says in chapter three, that you would strengthen their inner man, that they would know the height and depth and width of the love of Jesus Christ. God, I'm not asking you to remove the problem. I'm asking you to make them stronger. God, I pray that you would give them the resources they need to climb this mountain. I pray that you would give them the hope and the drive they need to climb this mountain. And God, I pray that you would bring people into their life that are gonna hold their hand and carry them up the mountain. 
I thank you so much for your son and his sacrifice and all the things you've spoken to us today through your word. God, I pray that nobody would leave here the same, that we would all leave here a little bit closer to you. In your son's name we pray, amen. We're gonna continue in worship now and uh, Mr. Ray is gonna come take up communion, pass out communion. Let's, do, let's give Dylan a hand. That's a great, great message. Ushers, go ahead and start uh, passing out the communion. You know, I was thinking about uh, the communion this morning and um, what I was going to say. And, you know, communion to me, and it should be to each and every one of us, it should be a, sac- a, a sacred moment. Um, a moment that we come before God and we open our, ourselves and we say, God, we want you to just cleanse us and forgive us of all of our sins that we have, and we want to come before you clean and holy. So this morning, I want you to, to, to do that. I want you to just to reflect back on your life and ha- ask God just to um, reveal things to you, maybe things that you, that you haven't asked for forgiveness for. You know, he says in, he says in the Word that people fall asleep or die or they have sickness if you come before him um, during communion and you're not in that manner. So we don't want that. So we want you to, to, to be um, clean and holy this morning before, we, before him. One thing that, but being, by being in the military, um, anytime that I used to hear the national anthem or even, even today, I get emotional about it because it's something that I, I can reflect back of, of the, all the, the men and women that gave their lives for this nation. They gave their lives for me to have freedom, for you to have freedom. You know, and Jesus did that for us on the cross. He went for the, on the cross. He shed his blood. His body was broken. But he, he did that so we would have our freedoms. Freedom from, uh, as Dylan was saying, freedom from addictions, freedom from the sin in our lives, freedom from all the things that, that we have to deal with. But he also gave us his salvation when he went to the cross. He also gave us um, a covenant with him. We could have a covenant with Jesus. Uh, Forgiveness of sins, our healing. His blood is powerful. I think the song that Melissa sung this morning, the the, the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. His blood has set me free. It will never lose its power for me. It is one for me. And I think that says it all. His blood is so powerful. Um, I know we, we take it for granted sometimes and, and, and don't really reflect on what, what his blood can do for us. But none of us would be here today without the cross. Without Jesus, we wouldn't be here with him going to the cross. So in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Apostle Paul here, he's, he's instructing the Corinthian church. He's kind of telling them about what the proper methods are um, and how to take communion or how to take the Lord's Supper. And he also told them that, uh, you know, the sacrament has a specific uh, purpose. And one thing he said, he reminded the church about the symbolic meaning of the bread. When he, when he said that, that Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we partake of the sacrament, as we partake of the communion this morning, 
I want you just to think about the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave for us as he shed his blood and his, as his body was broken, his death. And he did that, he did that for all of us. If you, if you say this morning that you're a Christian, he did that for you. If you're not a Christian, then you can, you can have that this morning. You can be part of the kingdom. He also said in that verse that we'll proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we'll continue doing the communions until Jesus comes back. We do it here every, every quarter. We used to do it every week. But now we do it every quarter and we'll continue to do that. Matthew 26, 26 through 28 says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So let me pray for, pray for the bread this morning, and then we'll partake of the bread. Father, we just thank you so much. We bless this bread this morning. And we say thank you for the sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice that you gave for us by allowing your body to be beaten and broken and even to death, that we might have life, that we, we might have eternal life. And we thank you so much. Let's partake together. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, we thank you for the cup. We thank you for your blood that you shed for us. That flowing, powerful blood that can conquer anything in our lives. That we can go and run to you and, and you, will, you will be there for us and you will, you will be able to... Um, overtake anything in our lives. And Father, we just thank you so much. And we bless you. Partake of the cup. So before we dismiss this morning, we're going to um, say the chapel creed. When you go out the door, there'll be buckets at the back with the, the ushers if you just drop your cups in the bucket. Okay, repeat after me, or with me. I was lost, hopeless, broken, and spiritually dead, but God loves me enough to save me by his grace. Through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, now in Jesus I am forgiven, made brand new. I am set apart. I am pursuing God with passion and purpose. I'm not alone. I'm part of God's family as I build a community of growth, prayer, love, and mission. I'm renewing my mind with his word. I'm empowered by God's spirit to discover my purpose and develop my gifts to make an impact in the shows and the world to advance God's kingdom here on earth and for the glory of God. All right. Bless everybody. Y'all have a good week and we'll see you back next week.